Consumer fraud trends suggest financial institutions must provide increasing leadership in the fight against identity-related fraud. And globalization and cross-border payments have opened new doors for money laundering, and international regulators are taking the issue seriously. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, here with the Week in Review for Friday, February 11, 2011. According to new findings from Javelin Strategy and Research, consumers and law enforcement alike now turn to banks and credit unions for more sophisticated detection and prevention when it comes to the misuse of stolen identities to open new accounts. In its annual Identity Fraud Survey report, Javelin finds that losses from new account fraud far exceed those associated with other types of fraud. Moreover, new account fraud is harder to detect. I think the weight of solving the problem will ultimately fall on the banks, says Jim Van Dyke, president and founder of Javelin. Criminals go where the money is. That's why it's important for banks to keep up to date on all of the types of fraud that are out there. While Javelin finds that the number of ID fraud incidents dropped 28% from 2009 to 2010, the expense associated with recovering from ID fraud actually increased 66%. And despite a year-over-year dip in overall financial losses associated with ID fraud, increases in new account fraud are alarming. Here is Jim Van Dyke. There were more fraudulent transactions as a proportion of the total that make up what we call new account fraud or what some in the industry sometimes call identity theft. So those typically have the worst impact in terms of out-of-pocket cost, as Steve talked about, resolution time and, and so forth. So there were more, as a proportion of the total, more of the worst crimes remaining and fewer of the, the, the most innocuous crimes remaining. Globalization has opened new doors for money laundering and international regulators are taking the issue seriously. Cross-border payments are increasing, and according to AML expert Hugh Jones, the birth of international ACH transactions, more commonly known as IACH, have created opportunities for consumers and retailers, as well as new burdens for financial institutions. Here is Hugh Jones. The types of regulations we've seen over the past uh, five years or so in the United Kingdom and the EU and the U.S. will likely become far more prevalent in uh, Eastern Europe, Russia, China, Africa, and Latin American countries. It is still acceptable to bribe, for example, in certain cult cultures. Uh, it is expected to uh, even bribe government officials uh, in, in the police forces of the world, uh, as well as the business forces of the world. Those types of cultural methods will likely be changing as the countries wish to participate on a global sphere. So, specifically, you should expect to see increased screening for, for PEPs, or politically exposed people, and you should expect to see increased um, regulatory pressure on audit trails to show that not only do you screen new clients or customers, but you also screen old clients and customers, and you screen your employees. And we wrap up the week with a look at the NASDAQ breach. Since news of the NASDAQ systems breach broke last week, I've been reading with interest the updates about this still unfolding cyber case. To me, the incident is interesting for a couple of reasons. For one, it proves that even the mightiest organizations have security gaps that cyber thieves can find. For two, if hackers were trolling around NASDAQ systems and servers for months and we're just now hearing about it, we should all have some serious concerns. NASDAQ says it picked up on the breach through routine monitoring, but was waiting to make the breach public until after it had completed investigations with the government. In a statement posted on the company's website, NASDAQ says suspicious files were found on servers unrelated to trading systems. 
NASDAQ's web-facing application, called Director's Desk, was, however, potentially affected. NASDAQ's use of Director's Desk, a subsidiary that offers web-based tools for document sharing among executives and board members, seems to have left a security gap. Rather than going in the front door, the hackers that hit NASDAQ came in through the service entrance. Imagine that. It seems so obvious, but it's surprising how often those side doors and back doors are left unlocked. And that brings us to the second concern. How long were the hackers probing around for a weakness? And how many did they actually find? It appears that NASDAQ segregated its systems in a way that allowed its mission-critical trading systems to avoid breach. But how can we really be sure? If the hackers spent a year monitoring systems and poking for holes, as some experts have speculated, who can really be sure they didn't gain access to quite a bit more, just waiting for the right moment to strike? The story raises more questions than answers. One positive thing it has done, however, is open our eyes anew to the reality that none of us is too big to be breached. That's this week's Week in Review. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten. Have a great week.